Well, hey, what's good? Well, family and friends, I hope you're doing well. Uh, and I really actually want to start off just with a real quick reminder before we dive in uh, that God loves you. Um, and I think that we forget that at times, that the God of the universe, right, the most high God, the king of all kings, the one that is so powerful, like why should he look upon us with any ounce of affection when he rules the universe? And yet this God loves you and he cares for you and he sees you and he is present with you. And within the midst of that, that is what gives us the ability to persevere. It's God's love for us. And so I hope you believe that, you remember that as a family, even as Adam was saying, whether you're entering in with low or high emotion, you serve the God of the universe And really, the God of the universe actually serves you. And this is what allows us to persevere. Amen? So I want to give a little bit of pace for today and where we're going to be going. And then uh, really the next couple of uh, months even as well. Today we're talking about discipleship, and we will next week as well. Uh, And then after that, what we're going to focus on is a justice and mercy series. And really trying to be biblically informed as we pursue justice. And what does it look like to literally bring the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven? How do we actually actually begin to usher that in through uh, the way that we treat God's creation around us through performing acts of justice, acts of mercy. And so that's where we're going to go. Today, we're going to talk a little bit more about kind of individual or almost private discipleship, if you will. Next week, we'll look at a little bit more of a corporate discipleship. We'll interweave in and out of both of them, but uh, I want us to really remember the value of it. You see, discipleship, it's actually one of our missions here at The Well. We say exalt disciple sinned, right? And so it's one of the things that we care about the most. And within this, one of the distinctives that we have is that we would want all to live out their unique identity in Christ, which means each person finding their gifting, each person finding their calling, each person finding their purpose that is ultimately found in Christ, growing in Christ's likeness in the process and being used by Christ to make much of his name That's where we see discipleship. And so one of the things that I realized with COVID is that while it's terrible on many fronts, there's always a silver lining in the midst of it. And maybe one of the things that coronavirus is actually gifting us with is that while we cannot meet together uh, regularly and safely in large groups or pockets of people like we normally would, as it is safe to do so, we can actually connect individually and personally with one another. And so every, like right now even, in parks or outdoors, we can meet on smaller levels as long as your health allows it, right? And this is actually prime space where discipleship happens is in smaller settings. And so while we cannot do what is very important for our faith, we can do something else. And so I want to do what Ephesians chapter 5 verse 16 tells us and make the best use of our time because the days are evil. And so I want to encourage us to think about the idea of discipleship. Our whole lives, family of God, should be submitted to Jesus's command to make disciples of the nations. And I think that in this season, we can really even grow in our ability to know how to do that. And we have more opportunity to even do that while we cannot do the other part of discipleship, which is corporate gathering. So uh, within that, well, I want to walk away with just one thing today. And one thing I want us to really kind of carry with us at the end and that is that we would know the importance and the value of discipleship. 
know the importance and know the value of discipleship. And so I want to look at the text in its entirety and really see how this text is kind of implicitly imploring us to pursue the pouring out of our lives onto others and the receiving of discipleship ourselves. And so 2 Corinthians is where we're going to be. If you want to turn there, uh, feel free to pause the screen, grab your Bibles. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 is where we'll be camping out this morning. And as you're turning there, uh, I'll give a little bit of context after we read this section, but I'm going to have the well OG, all right? Uh, Mr. Tommy Ward read for us, and a really cool story. Tommy was the first person that actually came to faith at the well and is now a CG shepherd here at the well. And we'll talk about how that even ties into discipleship too. But Tommy, go ahead and read that for us. Good morning, y'all. My name is Tommy Ward, and I'll be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation, written on our hearts, to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Thanks, T. Um, For context, Paul is writing to a church that he actually helped plant. And so Paul planted the Corinthians, and yet the Corinthians were kind of suspect of Paul. You see, the Corinthians, they actually lived in like luxury and sensuality. Uh, Think Hollywood. That's essentially what Corinth was like in ancient day. And Paul came through Hollywood, and he was poor. He suffered all the time. He actually was an unimpressive speaker, chapters one and two tell us. And so the Corinthians were kind of suspect of him. Then what happened is some other dudes came behind Paul preaching a slightly different message, but they were influential and they were rich and they could communicate well. And so Paul had that weak mixtape and these other dudes were dropping them (laughs) bars, all right? And so what they started doing is they started following this perverted message because it sounded good and it was a lot easier to follow because it didn't uh, require you to die to yourself the way that Christianity often does. And so Paul responded to the Corinthians by showing them they kind of had a messed up value system, that Christ himself was poor and despised. And so real quick side note before we dive into discipleship, but I want you, family, be careful who you listen to, who you watch, what books you are reading. Just because it sounds good does not mean that it's the gospel, okay? You could be following leaders that are leading you right into the pit of your own destruction. And so Paul is saying that his job is actually not to point to himself, but it's actually to point to Jesus. And these other people are kind of pointing to themselves, but Paul is here trying to point to the glory of Christ. And so then in verse one, he's saying, look, I don't need to prove myself to you. Like, do we need letters of recommendation? 
I love you, is what Paul is saying here. I've given myself to you. I I don't need to lay out this resume for you. And oftentimes, we too can get duped because we value this as a culture. We want these big ministries or this flash or this pizzazz, in a sense, to be our letters of recommendation. You do not need a big ministry to prove your faithfulness or your fruitfulness to God. You just need to be submitted to God and obey his commands and live in his call on your life, okay? Your letter of recommendation isn't about how many people listen to you. It's about how many disciples follow Christ because of you. That's what Paul is trying to highlight here. These other dudes are glorying in their ministry. Paul is glorying in individuals. These speakers, they relied on popularity and crowds to recommend and to validate them, but Paul is relying on personal converts to validate his ministry. You don't need a big following. You need a big heart for God's people. And that's what Paul has. That is actually what makes your ministry glorious to God. So Paul then goes on with that context in verse two. He says, even though he could boast because Paul had a dope ministry. Okay, let's not get it twisted, right? He says, you are my letters of recommendation. Notice that there in that text. Look at how he even phrases this. You are my letter of recommendation because you are in my heart, he says. You're in our hearts. We love you. We've given ourselves to you. We don't need these big ministries. We need you to know that we long for you, is what Paul is highlighting. We're not gonna boast in all of these other things. We're going to boast in you and in who you are and what God is doing in your life. And so then when everyone sees you, you will be a witness to Christ and even to the ministry that I have. Not how fancy of a sermon I gave, or, but your lives. I'm giving myself to you. And so Paul is clear. And this is important, right? Whether you're in full-time ministry, like some of us in this room are, or you're a CG shepherd, or even if you're a brand new believer, individuals are the validation of your ministry before God, family. It's not programs, it's people. It's not influence, it's individuals, okay? It is not fame, it is family. And this is what Paul is chasing after. The people that you are discipling are actually a reflection of you of your own ministry and of your own sanctification even before God, your own discipleship, your Christ-likeness before him. And literally, family of God, listen, it is not programs that change the world. It is the people that you are discipling that bring the kingdom and push back darkness. And this is what Paul is trying to highlight. The programs, it means nothing if it doesn't move us into discipleship relationships, if it doesn't move us into personal ministry that allows us to pour into each other's lives that helps us transform into the image of Christ. I mean, think about what we even saw at the well, even this past week at the worship night, for example, right? Like, which was fire and flames and (laughs) bomb.com, whatever language you want to use, okay? Uh, Think about baptisms. I think about somebody like Celeste, right? Now, programs and structure, they're important. We'll talk about that next week. Don't mishear me here. Those things are valuable. Celeste came into the well not knowing anybody. And so uh, if you're watching, by the way, friends, super, super proud of you for doing that, for taking that bold step of faith, stepping out 
not knowing anybody and yet choosing to be obedient to Christ in that process anyway. But it was our guided gatherings that kind of helped process and facilitate that, a program, right? Well, she's from Guatemala. She's not really connected here in Austin. And so programs can only go so far. But what I saw was during her testimony in the family and friends sections, she's not from Austin. She's not plugged in here yet, right? I saw a bunch of CGs begin to get up and go into the family and friends section. And then I watched afterwards as some CG leaders started inviting her into their CG so that she can have family and connection. The individual connection is now beginning to be flourished where more and more faith will be executed, will be laid out because of that. Continued discipleship happened. It started in a corporate setting, but then it moved into a personal setting and that's where true rootedness actually grows. And so we don't find community, we fight for community or man, sometimes community fights for us. Praise God. And now community is fighting for her. And now what a great example of how corporate discipleship can lead to individual discipleship as she begins to give her lives away to others in her group and to her neighbors, et cetera, and as others give their their lives to her. But then you actually saw on the reverse example as well. So I think about Bill on the reverse example. Bill, I'm sure at some point was encouraged by sermons or whatever, but it wasn't this corporate recommendation that actually brought Bill into the faith. It was the faithfulness of an individual in Hunter Goodrow. Hunter's faithfulness began to pour into him, his pursuit, his purpose in his life, which then led to an amazing story. And I know several other people that were literally there at the guided gathering were uh, influenced as they're wrestling with atheism and hearing Bill's story of how he went from an atheist to now a Jesus lover, but it was through the faithfulness of an individual that, uh, that literally did that, that helped lay that out. And so now Bill is Hunter's recommendation He is his letter of wreck, not the fact that Hunter is a good CG shepherd, which he is, but that story goes, oh man, look at how God is moving in Hunter's life and now in Bill's life as they pour into one another and hopefully pour into many more because of that personal, purposeful pursuit of the individual. I think about people in my own life, like the Matt Parties or the Chad Franks or the Bob Christensen's who's literally giving me hours and hours and hours hours so that I can now corporately and privately bless others, individuals blessing individuals. Now, once again, okay, I'm not saying that programs are bad. Yusuf just last week highlighted the value of the corporate gathering. There's a reason why you walked away so full from the worship night, because this is important. This is a big piece of our discipleship. Don't get it twisted, right? But it only goes so far. You need the individual as well. And so we need teaching and preaching and worship and classes. And Paul talks about this in all of 1 Corinthians, actually. But our ministries find their most significant in the people that we reproduce. That's what Paul's trying to highlight. They become our letters of reg. They are written on our hearts. And so Think about even letters of recommendation, right? Like like you don't write something for someone that you don't know, 
or at least you shouldn't, okay, right? Like, it's people that you care for that will vouch for you because in some ways, they become a reflection of you if they perform poorly or uh, positively at their next place of work. And so you then become a reflection of them. And so this letter of recommendation, this level actually only comes through connection. I need to know you if I'm gonna vouch for you and validate for you. And that means that we need to be close to each other and in each other's lives to be able to do that. So Paul was in there with the Corinthians. This is why he loved them. And he didn't need all of this flash and pizzazz. He just needed to pour into them faithfully. And that's what Paul is trying to highlight. Other leaders weren't willing to do that. Paul was willing to get dirty with them. Are you willing to get dirty with people around you and walk with them in high times and in low times on a deep, intimate way? We believe that successful ministry will come out of that. Paul goes on then to say that there, look at the text there, a letter from Christ delivered by us, it says. And so we had a part in your discipleship, but ultimately what we were doing was transforming you into the image of Christ that you would then reflect Christ to others. And so Paul isn't trying to get them to reflect him or to bring him value as he clearly states there in verse five, you can see. He's not trying to highlight some ministry. He's trying to highlight Christ in the midst of this because the goal of discipleship or you pouring your life out into others or being intentional with the people around you is to help them look more like Jesus. That is the end result. And that's what Paul is saying his discipleship of them did, that they would then become reflections recommendations, ambassadors of Christ, that they then image Christ in the world around them. And now Paul, he shows that all of this is from God, right? Like Paul isn't this dope dude. The Corinthians already knew that about him. That's why they were suspect about him, right? (laughs) Their recommendation of Christ came because of the spirit of God dwelling within them. And yet Paul, he partnered with the spirit to help that transformation. And so we are both partnering to transform somebody into the image of Christ. And so now Paul, he has this confidence because of not position or status or influence, but because of his fruit. And the fruit is Christ-likeness in other individuals. That's what makes Paul's ministry successful. That's his letter of recommendation. Not how big of conferences he preaches at, but how many individuals look more like Jesus because of his sacrifice. Your sanctification, it comes from God, and your confidence confidence should be in Christ. But just like Yusuf discussed last week, we partner with God in this process. Likewise, your discipleship, you being a disciple of Jesus, it comes from God, but you are submitted to the Spirit in the process, is what Paul is saying. We are partnering with God to look more like himself. Likewise, us pouring into others and helping them grow, this only comes through God, and yet we partner with the Spirit of God in the process. You serve a God who loves to partner with humanity, or rather, he loves to allow humanity to partner with him. And he lets us walk in this path with him that we may literally be purposeful in the kingdom of God. And so your sufficiency, it comes from God. You don't need to boast in your works or your fruit. It is in his grace alone. And yet, your sufficiency comes from God so that you can be confident as a believer and then do the works of God which is pouring into others for the glory of God. And so they both work in tandem here is what Paul is saying in that verse. You are equipped because the spirit of God lives inside of you. That's the base of all of 
that. Like you can then begin to help others grow in their equipping because you are equipped because the spirit dwells in you. And so you don't need to feel the pressure to perform or to produce. The pressure is just to be faithful and to love others. That's what Paul did. He didn't need all this other extra noise. He was just faithful in the Corinthians' lives. I think once again about another story from Sunday in Jenna Murray, somebody who got to baptize somebody on Sunday. And we got to see Jenna really grow up in her faith in the Lord for the past couple of years at the well. And I think about her story at large where she was faithful with a coworker that did not know Jesus. And she began to pour into her and love her and invite her in and go over to her house. And slowly but surely, the coworker realized the beauty of Christ. And Jenna got to baptize her at the last baptisms. And I think about her going overseas on a short-term trip and leading this Muslim woman to faith in a really complex situation. And then I think about here where she's getting to baptize somebody again, all because this person came into church all by themselves and Jenna was just faithful and said, hey, do do you need a friend, (laughs) right? Is really what that turned into. And there was nothing fancy that was going on there. Jenna doesn't have a seminary degree from somewhere. In fact, she hasn't even been actively pursuing Christ for more than five years. And yet, through her faithfulness and her submission to the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God has used her to transform multiple people on this side and that side of the pond. And now, all of a sudden, the glory of God is being shown simply through her faithfulness. You are competent, family of God. That's what Paul's highlighting. He ain't that dope. He was just faithful, and he was trying to serve the people that God had put around him. Notice in the text there, the us in there. Do you see it there on the screen? Who's the us? It is you and me, we who have the Spirit of God, a.k.a. if you are a Christian, you can pour into others. You have the Spirit of God dwelling inside of you. You now minister in a new covenant, Paul says, this covenant of grace, and you can actually point other people towards Jesus. And so who are your letters of recommendation? That's what Paul's highlighting here. Who is written on your heart that you love them so much that you give your life away to them that they would look more like Christ? Who are your letters of recommendation? How are you showing that you yourself are a letter from Christ that should be read by all, that the glory of Christ might be revealed and displayed through you, and then helping others become that letter as well? Now, I know the temptation. Every time I ask a question like that, the temptation is to be like, nobody's my letter, I suck, okay? And I don't do anything in the kingdom, all right? And listen, listen, maybe God is calling you to do more. I don't wanna remove that conviction. Maybe he is calling you to pour your life out into others, to make disciples, to build people up in the faith. And if you're a Christian, you can do that. That's what we just highlighted here. The spirit of Christ dwells inside of you. Do not miss that. You can make disciples. Write the letter of the gospel on people's hearts, family. Maybe God is calling you to do that more. But I also know that the enemy and our own flesh wants to disqualify us. You do not serve a God who is looking to disqualify you. You serve a God who is looking to use you to empower you and to allow you to push back darkness personally, you personally, as a part of the mission of God. And some of you just need to realize how you're even being used by God, that you would continue in even greater levels of faithfulness. 
Once again, for example, on this past Sunday, I got to baptize my daughter, which was awesome, right? And now, obviously, the majority of discipleship, it happened in the home, and it happened through my wife primarily, and then me secondarily. I want to give honor to where honor is due. My wife is a beast discipler, okay, a monster, and she's killing it with our kids. But it wasn't just us that did that. And so afterwards, I'm walking around, getting to kind of see people, and Jesse Vallejo came up and said, hey, man, congratulations on Makai getting baptized. I said, hey, thank you, brother, because you had a part in this. You see, he's been her teacher in children's ministry for multiple years now, and she often talked about how he took time for her to explain something in the Bible or to make sure that she felt loved and cared for. He was helping in that process, writing letters of the gospel on her heart that now we all then saw publicly that even a child can profess faith and love Jesus. He had a part in that. And so did Huli or Takasha or her other teachers or even babysitters or whatever it may be. That's part of the beauty of the corporate church where we are all corporately discipling one another. And so it may be that you need to disciple others and be more invested into individuals' lives, yes, but you also may need to realize how God is already using your present faithfulness to create letters of recommendation. And maybe he's just calling you into more, to be even more integral into individuals' lives and do it, y'all. It's rewarding. Like, the more that you pour into others, the more you personally tend to receive from God himself. As you give your life away, God pours himself back out into you. But don't let Satan try to tell your soul that you're worthless or that you're not doing anything in the kingdom. If you have been faithful even in little ways, God takes that little faithfulness and he multiplies it. You see, the enemy is looking to condemn you, but Christ is looking to commission you and he's already done it. He says, go and make disciples. And if the spirit of God dwells in you, which it does, if you're a believer, then I have commissioned you to go and I want to use you. The enemy wants to prevent us, but God wants to propel us, family. And he wants to use you to impact the kingdom, to be intentional in other people's lives. And so do that. Be intentional in people's lives. And I think that we can use this season to do that very thing, as the whole world seems to be out of whack and out of norm, man, what would it look like to go to a park every week and to start intentionally chopping it up about Jesus together? That means like talking about Jesus together, okay, in case you missed that, right? Like, what does that look like? Because I think you can do this, family. What does it look like to go to your neighbor who does not know or love Jesus but is struggling through COVID and remind them of the hope that you have of the gospel and maybe even begin to introduce that into their lives to be faithful over the long haul with individuals? That's what Paul did to the Corinthians, which is why they were producing fruit. And can we be honest, we actually see this most clearly in the person of Jesus himself. You see, Jesus, he uh, didn't rely on programs and popularity. Don't get it twisted. He had it. He had thousands of people following him all the time. And he used his public platform for good. Public platform is good if it's used for the kingdom of God. There were multiple times where we see Jesus teaching mega church-sized churches, right? So it's not bad. I want us to hear that. But he did his most intentional and seemingly most influential work with a few. 
with the 12 disciples. You see, Jesus wrote his letters on the 12 disciples' hearts, and then those 12 disciples wrote those letters back to us, did they not? That's what we are reading now, is letters of recommendation saying, you should choose Christ, as he was intentional pouring into them. Jesus is our example of intentional and personal discipleship. However, Jesus is also our forgiveness where we fail. He's our atonement family. You see, Jesus was the best discipler ever, and yet he died as if uh, he was terrible, as if his ministry was awful because all his disciples deserted him. And so, A, don't get discouraged when there's bumpy rides in your ministry. That will happen. It happened to the Son of God, okay? But also, they all deserted him looking like he had no fruit in ministry, and yet Jesus died to then overcome death and his resurrection gave him power over all creation. And with that power, he sent the spirit down, invested the spirit inside of us. And now the same spirit that resurrected Christ from the grave now dwells in us. And he says, go make disciples. That's what the commission is. And the spirit of Christ dwells in you, family. You are able to bless people for the kingdom of God. You are able to point people to the beauty of Jesus. When you see something in scripture, it is not insignificant. It is meant that the world would know Jesus as well. And so pour into others. Bring them into your prayer life. Show them how you love your family. Show them how you use your money. Show them how you share the gospel with your neighbors. Show them how you serve. Just bring others in. Be intentional. That's what Jesus was. And as he did that, the whole world got turned upside down because of it. And I believe if we're going to push back darkness in the city of Austin and have this city turn on its head, it takes discipleship of individuals. It takes many Jenna Murrays, many Hunter Goodrows, many Celestes and Bills and Micaiahs and many others that were there that day to push back darkness together and to pour into individuals. And so do this with your neighbor. Befriend the person that's alone in church. Go pursue that outcast. Go serve these people that nobody else is seeing. Help everyone find their place in the story of God. And as they find their place and use their gifts and build up the kingdom, we become a force that the gates of hell cannot stop because like we said on Sunday, they just gates, y'all. And let's kick those gates down. And we do that as we pour into one another. Amen? Amen. Hey, I love you guys, okay? And I really want to encourage you, use this season to be purposeful with people in your CG be purposeful of people around you with your neighbors, people that don't know Jesus. Just be intentional, y'all. The Spirit dwells in you. Write those letters of recommendation. Who are your letters? And I pray that when you go stand before the King one day, that there would be many, many individuals that says he or she is the reason why I'm here. And they recommend you before the King of the universe. Let us make many of those, family. I love you guys. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you uh, that we are your letters of recommendation. (laughs) That even as the Corinthians helped show some of Paul's ministry, so we help show your ministry. And so God, because of that, I pray we'd be holy, that we would be sanctified, that we would be serious about our faith, that we would love you, that we would kill sin, that we would elevate you, that you would allow us to look like you, Jesus. I pray that we would be your letters of recommendation. And God, I pray that we would make others 
God, I thank you for programs and systems and structures and all of that. But I pray that each of the things that we create, whether we're big or small or or many or few, that all of them would drive us towards relationship. And God, I thank you that we don't even need any of that in the first place because your spirit dwells inside of us and you give us power. And so God, I pray maybe even today as people are listening, maybe that do not know you, maybe someone else was the letter of recommendation for you. They said, hey, watch this gathering or or think about this Jesus. And I pray that they'd be encouraged at seeing you and who you are that they would realize you are calling them into something greater, that you want to use us. Maybe they heard the words of grace today and want to pursue you, Jesus. I pray that there would be more people that love you because of this, that see you, that believe that you have died for our sins, that there is a way to God through you, Christ, and that you have risen. And if we believe in you, then we will also have life forever. God, I pray that would be true of people that today they would choose eternal life. And God, for those of us who have chosen that, we are believers. Let us make disciples, Christ. Let us believe that you can use us. Let us pour into a few, even if we don't fully know what we're doing because the spirit of God dwells in us and you will guide us along the path. Let us be faithful in creating recommendations that you would be glorified. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for using us, Christ. You could have just done some miracles and revealed yourself through dreams. You allow us to be your letters. Let us be your letters and let us make other letters that the world would know the beauty of who you are. We praise things in your beautiful name. Amen.